Hey everyone, my name is Wes. Um, so, so far it's been a real active morning this morning. So we found out that our AC in this room is broken. So I apologize if it's like, oh, it's a little hot in here. That's why, which means we have this door open. So if some kid yells like poop or something, you know, really loud, it's because we have that open. So I'm sure that's gonna happen. I also sat on communion cups and I forgot to help Liz with what I promised to do. So I'm doing really good at my job today, is basically what I'm trying to say. So I'm excited to be here. I hope you are too. Um, we are finishing up. We've been spending the whole summer. We're talking about um, how do we grow as disciples of Jesus. And just kind of a recap here. Um, a disciple is simply a fancy Christian word to talk about being a student or a learner, uh, a master, right? So the idea like being an apprentice under a master craftsman or something like that. That discipleship is the act of us choosing to live uh, under the apprenticeship, so to speak, of Jesus and to say, hey, I want to basically be a mini Jesus wherever I go, whatever I do, wherever life finds me, that I want to be able to do that. And so uh, God kind of gives us this map. Uh, we call them here our four C's of kind of four distinct pathways in which we grow as followers of Jesus, as disciples. And so we've been spending uh, some time each, uh, you know, each week this summer talking about that. Today we are wrapping up talking about our third of these four C's, which is contribute by serving, which is that we, you know, so we might grow in loving like Jesus. Um, last week I talked to you about something that is within all of our power to do. We all have the power uh, to notice. We all have the power to pay attention. We all have the power um, to be able to communicate to the people around us you matter, I care about you, I love you, I'm in this with you, just as Jesus did, right? We looked at examples of how Jesus did that. Jesus would notice things that everyone else just kind of passed over. Jesus wouldn't pass over them. Things I wish Jesus would have not noticed, he would notice on occasion as well. So um, this week, we're going to flip that on its head, and I actually want to talk to you about something that only you can do. Okay, something only you can do. Okay, it's like your super special secret superpower, all right? Now, a few years ago, someone gave me what I thought was really good advice. Um, of course, like a lot of good advice, I didn't appreciate that it was good advice at the time until later on. But the idea being, they said to me, Wes, you should focus in your life, your attention, energy, whatever, it should be spent on the stuff that only you can do. And that was kind of the idea. Now, they were talking about this in like a leadership setting, right? So like if we found out that like there was some event at the White House and Joe Biden was the guy in charge of like folding the pamphlets that were going to be handed out, and we'd probably be like, hey, hey, Joe, there might be a better way to use your time. Uh, like I feel like you might have more important things to do. You know, we can we can get someone to do that for you, right? But the idea I think applies in life too, right? That when I, like, hey, if you're a parent, your kids are never going to have another mom or another dad, right? Like, you're, you're always going to be their mom or dad, whether they like it or not and whether you like it or not, right? Like, that's going to happen, right? My wife is never going to get another first husband, right? I am always going to be her first and hopefully only husband. Uh, so far, we're trending in that direction, which is good. Uh, but, like, you're, you're, gonna, you're the only one of that, right? At your workplace, I hate to tell you this, whenever you leave, whether by choice or forced out, they're going to find another one of you, right? Like, they're, they're going to replace you, right? Now, you may say, well, not as good as me, right, or whatever. 
But the fact is, like, I'm not the only one that can be, you know, the data analyst for the Department of Education or whatever it is that you do, right? And so when we focus our attention and energy on what is unique to us, whether that is a unique skill that we have or a unique role, like husband, wife, you know, brother, sister, aunt, you know, whatever it is that we have, that is always the best, best use of our time, okay? Your uniqueness, I want to say it this way, your uniqueness is your greatest asset, okay? So where it is that I am unique, that is always a great asset to me that, because it's, again, unique. It's not something that just anyone else can do or be or experience or have. Now, here's the great news. God has made you unique, okay? Now, I don't just mean this in like the, oh, Every snowflake is different, and we're all different from each other, and some of us are, you know, this and that and the other. Like, that's true. That's great. I think that's a wonderful thing about how God made the world. But what's also true is God has made you unique in terms of your capacity, ability, gifting, and calling to love others in the way that Jesus has loved us. That, that you're not just unique in terms of the person that you are. You are unique in how God has wired you. Here's kind of the big idea today is that God has given you this one-of-a-kind superpower to make a difference in the world, okay? And we call that your spiritual gift, okay? We're going to talk about that today. But the idea is very plain. You have a one-of-a-kind superpower. Like, no one else has, has it like you do. No one else does it the same way you do. No one else has access to it the same way you do. In the case you're like, Wes, that sounds like a bunch of junk. Okay, well, hey, I'm like I'm gonna read from the Bible. So, you know, you can just take it up with Jesus. You know, like don't don't email me, okay? You have a one-of-a-kind superpower to make a difference in the world. Okay, now this is so important to me. I actually want us to personalize it, and I'm going to make us say it together here right now. Online, you have to say it too. If you're in a coffee shop, I'm sorry. You're going to be the freak in the coffee shop right now when you're, like, talking out loud at a computer. If you're like, whoa, that dude has issues. Okay, so we're going to say, I have a one-of-a-kind superpower to make a difference in this world. Let's say that together. I have a one-of-a-kind superpower to make a difference in this world. Okay, now we're going to say it with a little more gusto this time, okay? I want you to get, like... 15-year-old girl, mom just said you can't go out with that boy because he wears a leather jacket and he's a little too, you know, like, so you need some attitude, you know, like, so, you know, like, if you got to do the Z-snap, you know, do that when you do it, okay? So, one more time. I have a one-of-a-kind superpower to make a difference in this world. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Still not entirely convinced, but by the end of the sermon, I'm going to get you there, okay? Now, today, we're going to look at a passage of scripture uh, from a letter written to a group of Christians in the first century, so about 2,000 years ago, uh, written to a group of people in a city called Corinth, okay? Um, Corinth is a real interesting place. Corinth, um, a lot of people in Corinth, they grew up in a culture, actually, that I think in a lot of ways was kind of like ours, okay? Um, Corinth was just kind of like people from all different walks of life uh, were there. It was kind of a melting pot. Um, Corinth was kind of known for being a pretty... A sex-saturated city, um, just to give you an idea, um, a slang term for, like, prostitutes, you called them Corinthian girls, so that was like, oh, that's real, like, that's a good thing to have associated with your city, you know? Um, Corinth was kind of like the Las Vegas of the ancient world, so it's like, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. Um, image and status were really important in Corinth, too, so, like, um, 
this is a fun little fact I learned. Sometimes when you hear, like, I don't know, Ashley or one of these places, like, trying to sell you some new ottoman or something, they're like, oh, it's made with Corinthian leather. You know, have you ever heard that? Corinthian leather is just regular, genuine leather. There is nothing <laughs> special about it, okay? Which is very on brand for Corinth because they did that same exact, like, social media thing where it's like, oh, this is so fancy and elite and only special people have it. When in reality, it was just like the same whatever thing it was, which, again, is an issue this church had. Specifically, Paul is going to write about their kind of secret superpower here because one of the things that the Corinthians were really obsessed with, they kind of understood that we're all gifted by God to serve and love in unique ways and roles. And the Corinthians, though, they really wanted to be able to serve and love in ways that seem very outwardly impressive, okay? So they, they wanted to do, like, miraculous stuff. And they wanted to, like, you know, do stuff where it's like, oh, wow so supernatural, you know, so crazy, right? Like, they didn't want to do things that just seemed kind of run-of-the-mill or ordinary, and so they were basically just trying to one-up each other and, like, how spiritually gifted they were and all that kind of stuff, and uh, as you can imagine, that that made for, like, crappy gifts and crappy Christians and not really good, which is why Paul had to write these words. So, I'm going to read this morning. We don't usually do this. Normally, I kind of just walk through a, a passage of Scripture and I just take you along for the ride. Every bump and, and bruise along the way, you just come along for the ride with me. But today, I'm actually going to read for us uh, the entirety, except for one verse, of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, so I want us to just kind of saturate ourselves in this and uh, kind of take it in. And I'm going to kind of note a few things after we finish and talk about how we can tap into our, our spiritual superpower, if you will, Okay. Um, I do want us to do one thing, though, uh, that I, has been kind of a practice in the church for centuries when scripture is read. I want us, if we could, let's just stand up um, as kind of a way to show honored God's word as it's being read here today. So I just want to read this. Um, you know, I apologize. This is probably like five minutes. So you're going to so just kind of get your endurance. You know, don't lock your knees. You know, that's kind of key. Okay. So here we go. First Corinthians chapter 12. Now about the gifts of the spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in all different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body, whether it is Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. 
Now, if the foot should say, well, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, oh, I'll need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, well, I'll need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is God's word. Let's go ahead and grab a seat. I'm going to pray for us as we get going here. Lord, thanks for uh, your word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd speak through these words today uh, to help us hear what we need to hear and do what you've called us to do. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so today I want to just kind of walk through um, several things I think are worth noting about your one-of-kind, super-secret, special superpower, okay? So we're just going to note a bunch of information, but don't worry, we're going to try and synthesize it in some good next steps here at the end. So here's the first thing I want to note about this. Every disciple of Jesus has a one-of-a-kind spiritual gift, okay? Every disciple of Jesus has a one-of-a-kind spiritual gift. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Paul writes, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues, okay? So Paul says, here are different ways in which the Spirit can manifest itself in your life. Here's, here's different spiritual gifts is the word that I want to use, or the phrase I want to use today to talk about that, that you can see in your life. And his point is very clear at the beginning. To each one, a manifestation, a spiritual gift is given for the common good. Okay, so what's a spiritual gift? Okay, spiritual gift is a unique power, talent, ability, gifting, calling, you know, wiring, however you want to think about that, that is empowered by God's Spirit and used for the benefit of others. Okay, spiritual gifts can be miraculous. Spiritual gifts can seem very just kind of run of the mill. You know, like I would even know that's a spiritual gift if you didn't point it out to me in some way. Okay. 
Um, spiritual gifts, they can take all different shapes and sizes. So Paul lists some right there. That's not meant to be an exclusive list because he makes he talks about spiritual gifts in other places in the Bible. And some of the gifts that are in this list aren't in other lists. And some gifts on other lists aren't in this list, right? So it seems like what was happening was Paul was dictating this letter or writing this letter. And he's basically just trying to kind of come off the top of his head of different spiritual gifts that people could have, right? So you've got a spiritual gift that's like, man... I just have the ability to pray for people, and they, they're healed, you know? This is kind of weird. Uh, my friend uh, Daniel in high school, his dad was a pastor, and uh, Daniel always joked, he's like, yeah, my dad has, the, his name was Doug, Doug Dubel was his name, so that's very unfortunate to go through life that way. And he would say, yeah, my dad has a death prayer, you know? It's like, whoa, Daniel, that feels really weird. But his dad was like, it was something insane, it was like, 14 for 14 on like people who were suffering, they knew Jesus, and they were just ready to like go to heaven and you know, be with the Lord, whatever. And like Doug would like lay hands on them and pray for them, and they'd just ex- they'd be expired, you know. Like that was kind of like his. So he, so Daniel was always like, So don't get my dad mad, you know. Like anyway, but like that was like a, it's a really strange, weird spiritual gift. That was a thing that, you know, like a, a kind of weird thing he could do, okay. Um, spiritual gifts can be very mundane and ordinary, right? So they can be things like, man, she knows how to organize. Like things are chaotic and she just walks in and it's, it's cleaned up, right? You can be a gifted administrator. You can be a person who has like, you just have a knack. You have wisdom to kind of shed in unique situations or whatever. and kind of, You just have this kind of internal knack to, to know what to do next that you can't quite explain, right? That could be a spiritual gift. But the point here is that Every single follower of Jesus receives from the Holy Spirit a spiritual gift, okay? You can be an immature Christian and you have a spiritual gift, okay? The letter to the 1 Corinthians, Paul goes over a lot of stuff, okay? And none of it looks very good for the church, right? Like, because basically, just to run it down, right? Like, at the beginning of the letter, they talk about, like, oh, well, my favorite preacher is Paul. Oh, well, my favorite preacher is Andy Stanley. Oh, well, my favorite preacher is Chuck Swindoll. Oh, well, my favorite is blah, 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 right? And so they're getting ready just to split up the church based on who their favorite preacher was. And then a couple chapters later, there was a guy that was sleeping with his stepmother. So, like, that was kind of a whole issue. And the whole rest of the church was like, well, isn't this a wonderful testament? So we're just gracious and accepting here. You know, we meet people. And Paul's like, no, there's some problems there, you know? Like, he, he, when they would have communion, it would turn into, like, drunken revelry, and it would become, like, segregated between rich people and poor people, right? So this is not, I guess what I'm trying to say is, this is not a church where it's like, wow, these people are so great at walking with the Lord. You know, when I think of Christian maturity, like the Corinthian church is what I have in mind. But yet, Paul writes to them about spiritual gifts because apparently... They had spiritual gifts that they needed instruction on. Am I making sense here, right? So you being immature has nothing to do with having a spiritual gift. You being mature has nothing to do with the spiritual gift. White people get spiritual gifts. Asian people get spiritual gifts. Black people get spiritual gifts. People who are old have spiritual gifts. People who are young have spiritual gifts, right? So like the idea is if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a spiritual gift. You may not know what it is. You may not have discovered it. But the Word of God says you have a spiritual gift. Gift, which leads me to the second thing I want to know. Your gift is for others. So going back to the verse that we just said, to each one a manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Right? That's what that's what First Corinthians twelve seven says. You are given a spiritual gift 
for the common good. This isn't just something for me to, to kind of enrich myself with, though that may happen, right? The, the purpose of the Spirit giving me a gift, my super secret superpower, right, is that I would actually use it for the common good in some way. In week one of these couple of messages, I talked to you about one of the, the greatest enemies that we have in trying to be a disciple of Jesus is that we always think about our lives through the filter of what's in it for me, okay? One of the reasons I think we struggle sometimes to find our spiritual gift is because we look at the community around us, whether it's the church or just the people in my life, and we look at it with more of an attitude of what can I receive instead of what can I give, right? Because apparently it's only when my mindset is on the common good that I'm able to step into the gifting and the calling that God has given us, right? That can be part of what trips that up. Now, um, additionally, third thing, your gift is a gift, okay? Your gift is a gift, okay? I want you to think about last time you received a gift from someone, okay? When they gave you a gift, did you, like, deserve it? Did you earn it? You know, at Christmas, what, what like, were, what, did you look at your kids and be like, well, this is going to be five gifts, but then I looked at your quarterlies, and quarter three, you really struggled, man. Like, there are a lot of messy rooms. Um, you only got a couple book reading badges at school, so, so we downsized at three. Um, now, if you work hard next year, maybe we can get it back up to four, but, you know, pay cuts, you know, inflation, you know, like it's hard, whatever, right? No, you, you give gifts to your children because they're your kids, right? They didn't do anything to earn it. You just love them, right? And, in fact, you know you love them because when they don't act very lovable, you still love them, right? You still, hopefully, you still love them, right? You, you still give them gifts, right? The gift actually says a lot more about you or I as the giver than it does about them as the receiver, right? Because it's a, it's a gift, right? It's just given to them, okay? One of the things that we do sometimes with spiritual gifts, and apparently the Corinthian church was doing this with spiritual gifts, is we think that the gift has something to do with us, right? Like, oh, I have this really sexy gift because, you know, like I'm an excellent Christian, you know, or whatever, or oh, I have this seemingly meaningless or like mundane kind of gift because I'm not a very, you know, God doesn't love me very much. God made a mistake, you know, whatever it is I might feel or think, right? Nope, not the case at all. You having a really cool gift says nothing about you and says everything about God. You having a mundane, seemingly ordinary gift says nothing about you and says everything about God, right? Because as we'll talk about in a second, God has assigned those gifts with purpose, with Meaning, They are a gift. One of the words that Paul, in the Greek language that he writes 1 Corinthians in, one of the words he uses to talk about spiritual gifts, he calls them charismata. Okay, Now, charis is the Greek word for grace. Okay, So literally, in the word, it's like grace gift or something like that is how it would directly translate. Right. So, so in the word is a reminder of this is just a free, gracious gift from God. This isn't like something you earned or deserved or just get, you know, because you're super awesome, special, whatever, you know. Like th this is a gift from God, and it should be treasured as a gift. Not as something earned or deserved or however we might think of that, okay? Here's another thing worth noting. Your gift, and this is huge, was tailored 
specifically for you by God on purpose. Okay? Your gift was tailored specifically for you by God on purpose. Okay? It's like a made-to-measure suit. I mean, it is meant to fit you perfectly. Okay? Now, God looked at your life. He looked at the people you would be surrounded by, the family you'd be born into, the school you would go to, schools you would go to, the workplace or workplaces you would be in, the calling or callings you would have on your life, who you would give birth to or not give birth to, you know, what church you would be a part of or churches you'd be a part of, what cities you'd be in, what country, like every single factor you can imagine, God already knows about it. He, he already knew it before you were born, okay? God has tailored your gift specifically for you on purpose to fit the life, the people, the community, the world that you would be born into, okay? Um, just kind of going to the scripture on this. So, verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. Paul says, all these, talking about the gifts, all these gifts, they're the work of the one in the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines, right? So, so God, God did not just like create you and then like he had a hat and he pulled out like, you know, oh, a miracle worker. Oh, well, I guess Jim's going to be a miracle worker now, you know, like that. No, he, he gave forethought. He gave intention to it. In fact, it wasn't just like you specifically. He even does this like, I think, for the church at large, because a couple of verses later, here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. He says, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Okay, so my friend Bobby Jackson, he spoke, uh, he less in worship, his wife Becca spoke to us earlier this summer. Um, Bobby, uh, one of the things he would say sometimes is, hey, God has given us all the people and resources we need for all the ministry he has called us to do, Right. And his point is, God's never going to ask us to do something that he is not also going to equip us to do in that moment with whatever he's called us to do, right? That right now in Crossbridge Christian Church, we have exactly the right people, exactly the right gift set, exactly the right gift mix, whatever it is, to do the ministry that God has called us to do. I cannot tell you as a pastor of this joint for five and a half years how I have seen this kind of happen, okay? That, like, one day, you know, some big financial giver leaves and, like, you know, Wes goes in the full freak-out mode, you know, because it's like, well, you know, we're just going to have to, you know, it's going to meet in, like, a dirt building now, you know, or whatever it is, you know? And, like, then a couple of months later, weeks later, whatever, like, some random check comes in or some new person starts giving or, you know, whatever happens, right? Like, a few years ago, we made the decision that we as a church we want to pursue being a multi-ethnic church, Right? which is a real problem because we're basically a bunch of white people for the most part, okay? And so it's like, well, how's this going to happen? You know, how's this going to go down? What's going to happen? And what's been so amazing to me is in the journey of the last three or four years, even through a pandemic when it was like not exactly super easy to do ministry and all this kind of stuff, we've slowly but surely seen God kind of shape and change a lot of people that he's brought to be a part of our church and be a part of kind of helping us do the ministry we sense and feel God is calling us to do, right? That, that's a wonderful, amazing thing because God, again, places the parts of the body just as he determines. Your gift or gifts that you have right now for this unique moment in time that, that you were placed 
right in this community, right in this church, to be a part of doing the work that God has called us and equipped us and desires for us to do, right? And that's not me saying that. That is God's word saying that to us, okay? Here's the last thing I want us to kind of think about, and then we'll get to how this applies here in a moment, okay? Um, your gift, okay, um, your gift is honorable and needed regardless of how important it might seem. Okay, uh, A few weeks ago, Brittany and I traveled back to uh, the Midwest. We went to Ohio. We saw my new nephew. Um, and then we went to Chicago for a few days. And uh, then we you know, came back to Ohio again. And when we traveled back to Florida from Ohio, uh, we on the plane, somehow, I don't know what happened. It's probably just, you know, like... Uh, like from Tommy Boy when he was like, fat guy, little coat, you know, like it's like fat guy in a small airplane seat, you know. Uh, but like I did something to my foot and messed it up and like my big toe, you know, got sprained or hurt or I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I'm too cheap to go to a doctor and get it figured out. So, um, so anyway, none of us, if you were like, hey, what's the most important part of your body? No one in here would be like, you're right, big toe. Like, duh, you know, come on, right? Like, like, if you said that, you'd be shot on sight, probably. Like, like, dude, you're smoking something. Like, come on. It's not your right thing. It'd be like your heart or your brain or your whatever. You know, like, like this is not, no, like, shut up. Yeah, this is not it. But let me tell you, in the past two weeks, I've discovered, wow, your big toe does a lot more in your body than you give it credit for, right? Like, walking, you know, like, <laughs> stepping, you know, like, like, sleeping with that, like, even in our bed, the past couple of I can't sleep on my side this way, I have to sleep on my side this way, so I don't hurt my, hurt my little toesy, you know, like that kind of thing, right? Okay, turns out that this small, seemingly insignificant, unimportant part of the body is actually really important, right? It actually, actually, when it's missing or hurting or not functioning the way it should, that's actually kind of a big deal. Right, that, that actually kind of becomes an, an inconvenience, okay? Paul writes in, the, uh, in this passage, he says, On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, right? Like, just because you aren't impressed by it doesn't mean that it's unnecessary or unneeded. In fact, quite the opposite. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor, okay? Like, if you were like, you know... Your liver is just like so not honorable. Like it's so not exciting. It's like brown and uncool, right? But like you're not going to get very far in life without a liver, you know. Like I'm, my medical degree is only from WebMD, but I'm pretty sure that livers are important, right? And Paul says the parts that are unpresentable, right? So kind of like your private areas, he's saying, are treated with special modesty, right? So even the parts that aren't like safe for you know, public consumption, right? Like even they get special treatment in some, in some way. Well, our presentable parts, he says, need no special treatment. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Okay, so God's point is there is not a part of your body that is not honored, that is not important, that is not necessary, that doesn't have some function. Like, like it, it, it's important. It, it goes with something. It, it matters. It's meaningful, right? That, that it's still, it's a part of your body, okay? And, and in the same way, it's easy for us to think, oh, well, like, oh, I'm really, like, I just like to have people over to my house and make food for them. Like, who cares? Like, what, what's the big deal with that? Well, let me tell you, 
I'll bet there's a lot of college students who are going to flood this town in about a week who would be happy to make mac and cheese out of a box if you feed it to it, right? Like, like whatever the least exciting thing is, they would be excited to, to, to have that with you, right? We think, oh, well, all I do is like, you know, I, I just like have this way to take messy stuff and make it, you know, be not messy anymore. Okay, well, let me tell you, there are a lot of messy people in this world. This is a messy church that could use your, you know, organizing power, whether that's organizing in like a spiritual sense or in a literal physical sense, you know, like that, that's necessary. Oh, uh, well, you know, like I'm not really that smart. Like I just feel like, you know, hey, when people have problems, I just kind of give them my advice and, you know, hopefully it's helpful. And if it's not, well, you'd be surprised, right? The old saying, the common sense ain't so common, right? Like that kind of idea, man, you might be surprised how meaningful that word of wisdom. You might not think it's really important. You might not think it's really impressive. You might not think it's really amazing. But let me tell you, it is. It, it is deeply important. And I could think about just here in our church, like there are a lot of people with gifts that we would say, oh, I mean, what's the big deal with that? You know, well, let me tell you, as the guy who's in charge of making this place run, they're a real big deal, right? Like. Right now, I am so thankful that we have people like Laura and Lisa back there who are taking care of your kids because if they weren't taking care of your kids, you would be taking care of your kids right now. And we did that for like a year during the pandemic. That was not exactly fun for everyone, right? So that's a huge thing, right? Um, we have people, right? just life happens. They kind of fall off the radar, right? They, they lose track, right? And you think, I mean, all I did was send her a text. All I did was make a phone call you know, or send him a note, whatever it is, right? That's actually super duper important, right? Because like it is, it is that action that might give them kind of a latching on point when life is getting crazy for them to reach out and say, you know, hey, I could use some help, or hey, I need some prayer, or hey, I could use some assistance in this real tangible kind of way, whatever that looks like, right? Right now, this morning, right? We have people running the sound. We have people doing the slides. We have a person who's like, Alex takes care of like all the tech stuff and he talks to me about the tech stuff and I don't understand a single thing that he says to me about the tech stuff and SMTP servers and all this kind of junk. I have no idea what he's talking about, but I'm glad he knows what he's talking about and his gift is necessary, right? Small group leaders, right? You are huge. You give people a place to feel warm and welcome and invited and all these kinds of things, right? Like people who stand and greet at the door, right? Like I, every single person I meet, whether they're a Christian or not, right? Everyone's got a story about, well, I just hated this church because they're nasty or they're mean or they acted like I didn't exist or they didn't care about me or whatever, right? Like none of these things on, in and of themselves might feel at like, all. Oh, super, you know, like, man, this is like the most, you might put poo-poo them or put them down. Let me tell you, they're important. Right, because this church, if it's a one-person show, that is, that is not good for anyone. Right, you are a necessary, needed part of this body, and I'm not like I'm just talking about the church portion of it. Right, let alone your relationships, your workplace, your family, your wherever else that we might exercise our spiritual gifts. Right, like like you are necessary, needed, and important for all of it. I don't care if you're an eye, an ear, a big toe, you know, the kneecap, whatever it is, you are necessary, you are important, you are valued. So, where are we going with all this, Wes? Like, what, what are we doing? Okay, I'm going to give you three next steps for how you can kind of activate your spiritual gift, okay? Number one, I want you to take this assessment. We've created it. Well, we didn't create it. We linked to it. Um, we created it. It's very, very thorough, so you'll be very impressed with me if you think <laughs> I created it. Um, we have this assessment that we linked to online. Just go to crossbridgechristian.com slash gifts, G-I-F-T-S, crossbridgechristian.com slash gifts. It is a spiritual gifting assessment, 
It's based on these verses from another area where Paul uh, talks about the, the body and talks about spiritual gifts from Ephesians chapter 4. Let's take a look. Um, Paul writes on Ephesians chapter 4. Put it up here. Oh, there it is. Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. And here's the key part. We become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Let me put that into plain speak for you. Until we become grown-up Christians who look like Jesus, right? Until we become fully apprenticed versions of our master, right? That's what discipleship is. That's what being a disciple of Jesus is all about, right? That we would look like Jesus, okay? And so Paul says the way we get to looking like Jesus is when people in the church use their spiritual gifts in order to shape them and shape the others touched and ministered to by them into the image of Jesus. Now, Paul gives like five things there. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. Or pastors and shepherds, it's like the same word. Anyway, I'm not going to dive into like what all of those mean because when you go to crossbridgechristian.com slash gifts, there's an explanation of all of those on there that you can read and it's going to be way more well written than anything I'm going to tell you. But my point is, a lot of times, some of you, if you've been around church, you've taken like one of these spiritual gifts assessments before, and it's like a hundred questions, and at the end, it's like, you're good at making pancakes. Why don't you serve in kids' ministry? You know, like, <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know that I, that like helps me understand how these relate to each other. These kind of give you a framework to think about. Um, it's not going to tell you, hey, you should be a greeter, right? Or it's not going to say, hey, you should be a kids' ministry person, or hey, you should consider doing this, that, or the other thing, right? But it's going to give you a framework for the kind of things that God might have uniquely gifted you to do. So, like, one of the things on there is pastor or shepherd, right? Those are people who love people, okay? So you're like the person where it's like if someone is missing from this church for, like, six seconds, you're like, Wes, has anyone reached out to them? You know, has anyone talked to them? Is everything okay? You know, like, you care. So you're, like, just sending notes to everyone, right? You just love people, right? If that's how you're gifted, you probably shouldn't be the person that, like, photocopies kids' plans or something like that, right? Like, that that may not be the, the best use for, for your gifting, right? Apostles, they're like the spiritual entrepreneurs. Apostles, you're the exact opposite of me because you're the people, they're like, hey, let's just do this new thing, and if it fails completely, who cares? You know, whatever, we had fun while we were doing it, you know? I helped plant a church in Chicago, and I'd always tell the people that I planted the church with, like, hey, if you guys could just do all the work until, like, week two, and then I'll just hop in then and, like, help make it better, that'd be great. You know, they didn't listen to me. So uh, so I'm really bad at that. But so you might be the person where you're like, hey, you, you do great at starting new stuff. You do great at kind of seeing an opportunity that maybe people aren't even aware of yet, right? Like, that's how you're kind of wired to be, right? That's why that gifting assessment is important. It gives you a framework through which you can kind of see how God has uniquely shaped and gifted you in order to do something that both, like the Holy Spirit, has uniquely empowered you to impact others with, and I think doing something that brings life to you as you do it, right? Because it's in alignment with you and kind of your gifting and how you function and how uh, you work. Here's the second thing I encourage you to do. I encourage you to simply ask this question of, so where's the need? 
Where's the need, okay? A guy named Wayne Grudem uh, writes this book. It's called Systematic Theology. It's literally, I'm not even making this up. It is 1,800 pages long. It, it, it will, if you drop on your foot, you now have a broken foot. Um, but it is like the, if you take a theology class in Christian college, it's like the textbook that gets assigned in like every denomination, every kind, like it's just like the, the go-to thing for for the field of theological study. Wayne Grudem, um, in his book, he talks about um, spiritual gifts as one of the chapters, and I, because I'm an excellent pastor, read all 40 pages of the itty-bitty, teeny-tiny print this week, so you didn't have to. And in there, one of the things he says is, hey, if you're struggling to find your spiritual gift, one of the things that seems apparent is because God orders the parts of the body around in a way to kind of equip the church and equip the family of God to do the work he's calling it to do. One of the greatest ways that we might be able to tap into our spiritual gifts or kind of be able to pray for the church to tap into its spiritual gifts is simply to say, where's the need? And to step into that, right? Because if there's a need, God has, according to his word, given our body, the body part needed to fulfill it, right? To, to do the work that he has called us to do. Now, I'll, I'm guilty of Hey, sometimes I, I'm trying to do more than what God has called me to do, right? So I don't want to ignore that. But to say, one of the most helpful questions we can do is say, hey, where is the need? Where can I serve? Where can I use some gifting, right? Now, I'm going to talk about like areas in our church where you might be able to help in just a moment. But like I always hesitate to do this because I always forget something and people get mad at me. And they're like, why don't you talk about this thing? You know, so I apologize. But, like, I'm going to talk through some needs, but I also want to say I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know all of the needs that our church has. In fact, we just talked about, like, the apostles, right, the spiritual entrepreneurs. You might see a need our church has that none of the rest of us are even aware of, right? Now, if you're like, hey, we need an alpaca farmer <laughs> ministry, like, I'm probably going to need you to sell me on that a little bit, okay? So I don't want to say it's an automatic yes if you say it, but to say Hey, I don't want to discount that idea either, that you might see a need that none of the rest of us are privy to, right? That, like, that's a, that's a way this works. But here's why I know. Hey, we could probably use a couple more people who are just willing to be a consistent presence to love on kids. What I know is Johnny would love to have another singer or instrument player or something like that to do this. I know Alex, if he was here, would say, oh, we would love people to you know, be on our tech team or whatever, you know. We could definitely use some greeters right now. Like, uh, to me, there is no more important thing that we can do than say to people as they walk into our building, hey, welcome. We are so glad you're here. We, we want to make this as easy and pain-free as possible for you. You know, like, we're all a little anxious when you go somewhere new. I want to set you at ease. Um, we have some needs that maybe you might not be thinking of. So I'd love for us, like, to kind of build up prayer at our church, right? Have a People who pray with folks after service or do like a consistent, hey, we're praying for these things after service. That could be a, a thing. Um, we have a lot of opportunities to do outreach in our community. And frankly, we can't do them because like I'm the one that's in charge of coordinating it. And I'm bad at coordinating the stuff that is already involved with my job, let alone like, hey, let's add some more on, you know, whatever, right? So, so if you're like a really outward oriented, you love community partnerships, you love investing that kind of stuff, that could be an awesome area for you to, to get involved in and serve in. Like I said, I'm sure I probably forgot some. Oh yeah, 
Uh, we're getting ready to go in the fall, right? Which means we're going to have more people loading in here and being a part of this place. And we're going to welcome new college students into this congregation, right? And what that probably means is it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have a new community group that pops up sometime later this fall or in, you know, like January at the beginning of the next semester. But what that means is, hey, we need to start apprenticing and training a new small group leader or leaders now, right? So maybe that's something that you enter into. But there are all kinds of needs. Again, maybe you see a need that I don't. But the idea being, when I ask where is there a need, right, often that can be a cue of like, huh, I wonder if maybe I'm, I'm the person to fill that need. Or to say, hey, I want to pray like fervently every day, twice a day. I'm going to pray, God, I see this need for X, and I'm praying, God, you would fill that need. You, you would just do something to, to impact that, right? That can be a, a great thing. Last thing we can do is to tap into our spiritual gifts. Um, actually, this is more about how you can help others tap into their spiritual gift, but it's still important, is we can use these four little letters. I, C, N, U. Okay, now if you're like, Iknu, what is that? Um, Iknu. So I, C, N, U, this is like a little preacher thing someone taught me like 10 years ago. It's actually I, C, N, U is like what it is, but apparently doing it as an acronym makes it you know, more memorable, okay? So I see in you is the idea of you simply saying to the people in your life, hey, let me tell you something I see in you, right? Let me tell you something that I see, I see in you. Uh, when Brittany and I were on vacation a few weeks ago, I ran into a guy uh, who's one of the elders at the church I used to work at in Chicago, and his name's Rod Ryder. And Rod is like the friendliest, kindest guy in the entire world. When he was a kid, he told his parents he wanted to be a professional friend. That is a true story. He Now he sells HVAC equipment. So same thing, basically. You know? uh, we could, he, he would be very friendly to us if he'd get our HVAC prepared right now. That would be wonderful. Um, anyway, Rod, kindest guy ever. So some of you know the story about our church in Chicago. The church closed down. Like, Let me assure you, when your church closes down, you as pastor not like, man... I'm feeling really confident about myself right now. I'm feeling like I'm a great pastor right now, you know? And a week or two after that happened, Rod, unprovoked, unprompted, just sent me a random email. And it was it was an ICNU email. It was a, hey, Wes, I know that things took a bad turn. I know you're probably not feeling great about how this turned out. But I just wanted you to know, hey, I see this in you. And he kind of lifted up some things in my life and in my story that he was like, hey, I see this in you. I don't want you to give up or quit on ministry. I don't want you to do, like, I think this is a thing that, that God has called you to do for this season and whatever. And, like, when I did at the time, you know, like, there was so much happening in my life at that time, you know, like, I didn't truly appreciate it. Um, but I thought about that email uh, randomly just every, you know, once a year, maybe I think about that and think about, man, that is so huge that he, that he would send that in such a vulnerable season um, to kind of be an encouragement to me, you know. Um, because the, I don't know about you, maybe you guys are surrounded by perfect, wonderful people in your entire life. But people don't normally sit me down and say, hey, Wes, let me tell you the unique God-given talents and abilities that I see in you right now. You know, let me encourage you with that. No, nope, they're just like you, right? Like, they're just like, hey, life kind of happens. We don't really do that kind of thing. But man, some of the most valuable conversations that a person can have with you in your entire life is a conversation that says, hey, I see in you this, right? Hey, I see in you the way that you keep going with people when I would have given up on them a year ago. Like, that's something. 
hey, I see in you, you are an amazing encourager. Like, I always leave your presence refreshed, encouraged, excited, right? Hey, I see in you, you just have this unique ability. Hey, I see in you, sometimes you're calling out, isn't it true? We're like the worst people to view ourselves. Like, sometimes it can be staring us right in the face and I don't see it because it's me, right? And so sometimes calling something out, you call something out for another person they had no idea about before, right? When I see in you becomes a regular part of our language, we encourage others to walk in the God-given spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, and wiring. That's good for them. That's good for the community around them. That's good for our church. That's good for the kingdom. That's good for helping disconnected people connect to God, okay? You have a super special, one-of-a-kind superpower. My hope for you is you would walk in it and that you would find it and exercise it starting today.